talking about video games. Yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am Patrick Shanley, gaming editor at The Hollywood Reporter, and joining me, as always, is my best friend, Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing, man? I feel like we were in a dark place for a long time, and we just, like, exited a cave, and the sun's hitting on us for the first time in a lot of months. Mm-hmm. I just feel good about where we're at in video games right now, Pat. That's good. That was a uh, wholly uncharacteristic response from you. It was... I mean, I'm feeling really positive about video games right Who now. Who are you right now? I'm feeling very... That Nintendo Direct in, just injected so much soul into my body. I feel like I can... I'm like a second coming right now. Let's waste zero time and just dive immediately into the Nintendo into Direct. It. And Nintendo in general. Um, let me make a little... A quick analogy for you as a, uh, a learned scholar of both video games and film. Let me I sit am. down for this. Let me sit down <laughs> for this. <laughs> let me get ready. Let me get ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Let me light my pipe. Yeah, she, she. Uh, when I was at Comic-Con and Marvel <laughs> came on stage and blew everyone's freaking hair back, that's the exact same thing that Nintendo did a couple days ago. Nintendo just dominates. They have so much. And 2019 is... What are we? We're in September right now. It doesn't matter what anybody does. We already know what everybody else is going to do. Nintendo won 2019. Thanks for playing Sony. Thanks for playing Xbox. You're done. Get out of here. PlayStation 4 could literally shadow drop The Last of Us 2 tomorrow, and Nintendo would still beat it this year. That's because that's one game, and Nintendo has just been crushing games all year long. They've already released what is probably going to be the game of the year has to be a Nintendo release at this point and we still have Luigi's Mansion 3 is coming out we have Link's Awakening which I'm actually personally excited about and then we'll get into why you are upset about me playing old games later but they also have a new Pokemon game they Mm. have this insane thing that wasn't part of the Nintendo Direct but this weird like fit thing that's coming out and before that what we have Damon X Machina uh, we've had Astral Chain we've had uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 we've had um, what's the the one that you're obsessed with Fire Emblem oh yeah they've had a good year and that's just counting their exclusives we're not even talking about the third party games that they've implemented to the system this year we're not talking about all the games that they brought in from the Steam library over they're, they're just doing remarkable things right now that I, I just am not seeing from any other company right now. They're also kind of my platform of choice, to be honest with you. If I ever have a choice to play on one platform or another, I pretty much always go with Switch because I can play it portable. And I understand that not everybody plays their Switch that way, but I do, and to have that option is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And before we like start getting into how great the Switch is right now, let's just run <laughs> down everything that was announced at Nintendo Direct yesterday. Lay it on me! So, like, first of all, Super Nintendo games are now on the Switch. So, if you're into that, congratulations. Uh, I am, and I've been playing them. Oh, have you? Which Eddie, ones have you played? Eddie, don't act like you're surprised by that. Of course, I, I'm not surprised them. by that. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure as soon as they announce it, you're on your Switch looking to see what games. Uh, you not only that, I was checking my Switch like every 15 minutes to see when they would release them. So, what have you played so far? Uh, Super Mario World, which mm. I have almost beaten already, just hopping right back into it. Uh, a little bit of some Zelda, A Link to the Past. Is it A Link to the Past? I, I think it is. Zelda's I think it is. Yeah. There's a lot of Zeldas. I know, and I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm literally playing. Yeah, it was A Link to the Past. Uh, I dipped my toe into a little bit of Super, Super Metroid, a game that I did not play when I was a kid, mm, actually. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I played a little bit of the soccer game and a little bit of the tennis game. Just I heard those are terrible. They're, they're so bad. But yeah, I heard those fun. are awful. Okay. <laughs> they're absolutely but, awful. But you also have Kirby's Dream Land 3. We have F-Zero, which is a great game. We have Super uh, Mario Kart, which is one of my favorite games of all time. There's tons of games. Yeah, and they even have like some of these Brawl Brothers, Breath of Fire, Demon Crest, Joe and Mac 2, Lost in the Tropics, Kirby's Dream Land 3, which is actually I'm really excited to get back into. I that haven't game played that game amazing. in forever. I never played Ghouls and Ghosts, which I'm really interested about too. Alright, well hop into that immediately because that game is a masterpiece. I've, everyone's always talking about it and I would really like to get into it. But we have Star Fox, Pilot Wings, which is Pilot Wings is one of my favorite series. I would wish they would remaster Pilot Wings. I really like Pilot Wings. What? You are such a dork. Oh god, Pilot Wings is like one of those games that I really grew up with because it was just one of the only games that my parents would buy because there was no violence in it. So, because my mom was super stiff about what she bought me back in the day, so I played Pilot Wings on the 
uh, SNES and on the N64. Out of so. curiosity on the violence issue, was Super Mario World deemed a violent game by your mother? No. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, and that's not counting if my dad had been spending the day at the bar because ga- I was getting all kinds of M games after those days. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember Game Force, but Game Force was like two places down from like my dad's favorite bar. So I, kn- I knew how to play the game. I knew how to play the game. <laughs> dad, aren't you thirsty? Like, Dad, uh, let, let's, uh, let's, let's go to Sullivan's. <laughs> It's close now. I can say that. So. I love. I love that your dad drank at a place called Sullivan's. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It was all. It was Irish bar. He was the only black guy there. Nothing but Irish people in there. It's amazing. Good times. Good yeah. times. Good times. Reno. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So yeah, SNES games are on the Switch. So people are really really happy about that. Uh, as they should be because SNES has some of the greatest games ever made. But that was just a drop. A drop. In the bucket of a what drop. Nintendo. A very Direct little drop. Uh, it is insane to me all the stuff that happened in this presentation because they opened up this is the, their opener was that Overwatch was coming to Nintendo Switch which but people keep saying like about time but the thing is it's like the Nintendo Switch isn't that old right. and it's kind of been porting a lot more than I thought it was going to port so yeah, like yeah when did you want Overwatch on this game like last year like yeah, I exactly. feel like it's perfect like, timing yeah calm down everybody yeah calm down uh, full disclosure I have never played Overwatch you haven't I've never played it it's a Fun little game. It's a fun little shooter, like Team Fortress type. I don't even know why we're getting Overwatch. It's like 20 years old. Um, But I think it is a perfect game to put on the Switch, and it would be a perfect game for you to play handheld. I think you would really enjoy it. I'm interested to see how the frame rate issues are um, because I played a couple first-person shooters Mm -hmm. on Switch, and they never felt good. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see if they actually can fix uh, the problem. the problems that a lot of these Nintendo Switch games who have been ported over have, which is the frame rate and the drop of basically everything. Oh. <laughs> basically everything, let's be honest. I'm going to guess that, I mean, A, it's not going to look nearly as good obviously, oh, no. on the Switch, especially when you're playing in handheld. Uh, and then B, I'm going to follow it up with, I don't really give a good rat's crap because that's not why I'm playing on Switch. I I don't know. I I know a lot of people care so much about graphics and the way like a game looks. I really don't I don't care. I do not care at all. Yeah, that's why you play old games. And I think <laughs> when you're playing the Switch, I think a lot of the Switch people who play the Switch and love the Switch, I don't think they care either. I think they just want a game that plays similar to the original port or a lot of them haven't played these games before. Yes. So it seems like this is just a perfect opportunity for them to play for you to play Overwatch. And it's a convenience issue, you know? It's it's convenient to play on the Switch. You can pick it up whenever. You don't have to like boot up a console. It's just instant. You pick it up and then bam, you're playing it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean playing Overwatch on the toilet sounds like a great idea. Listen, let me let's revisit the toilet thing from a couple weeks ago. Playing on the toilet is the greatest gift that mankind has ever done. Better than walking on the moon, better than the Renaissance. Gaming on the toilet is the pinnacle of mankind. It is our zenith as a species. Yeah, it it's kind of like our god's gift, right? Yeah, our god's right, you know, like right to bear arms, right to like play the switch on the toilet. Like yeah. let's go. You know, let's go. You know the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where everybody's face melts off because mm-hmm. they looked at the face of God? Mm-hmm. Playing your Switch on the toilet is the closest we can get to looking at the face of God without melting our face. Yeah, and now you can play so many games on the toilet. You can even play some Wii U games on the toilet, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Okay, what is this game and why do people keep bringing it up? It is one of those games that kind of combines like the Shin Megami Tensei and the Fire Emblem series. So I'm speaking gibberish right now if you're not into those those type of JRPGs. Yeah, I toned out. But this is one of those. Atlas, Atlas has developed it. It was one of those extremely popular JRPGs within like the people who played it. But a lot of people didn't get to touch it because you'd have to buy a Wii U. And the Wii U at that point when it came out, it was in like it came out in like 2015, and at that point I think everyone was just like trying to avoid the Wii U, and then this game is so art JRPG, it is so JRPG, it is you think Astro Chain times ten, and then you're combining like a lot of these series that a lot of people aren't familiar with. So I think because of the Fire Emblem kind of explosion that we've had this year with so many units being moved from Fire Emblem. I think it's a perfect time for this game to be released on Wii uh, Switch. Sorry, Switch. And it's not even the only JRPG that we got. First of all, we got a new JRPG that's going to be coming to the Switch. Uh, game Freaks. Yes. Wait, was that what it's called? Uh, game Freaks, a hometown hero. Hometown hero? Yes. Yes, hometown hero. That's what it's called. 
Um, which, you know, fine. I'm going to play it because I love JRPGs. But we're also getting Xenoblade is coming to the Switch. Xenoblade mm-hmm. Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Definitive Edition. The Definitive, yeah. Have you played Xenoblade? I have. Okay, what the hell is it? And why should I care that the Dragonfly looks better in this than it did in the original game? Okay, I've played Xenoblade... What was it called? Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was on Wii U. Okay, I'm out Wii U. There, there, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I don't... Which one... I'm a little confused about which one is getting remastered. Xenoblade Chronicles. I don't know. You tell me. Is there, like, 80 different versions of this game? Is it, like, Dragon I, Quest? I, I do not know because S. the first game that I got into was Xenoblade Chronicles X. And it is one of those games where it takes you like 80 hours just to get like the uh, the item or the big... Okay, so I'll, whatever. It's been out for how many years? You have to put in a good 30 to 40 hours in order just to get to the mech. And the mech is what really opened the game up for everyone. So it plays like your basic JRPG until you get like this mech that you can suit up in. You can upgrade and then it kind of, it still plays like a JRPG, but it turns into this whole different other thing. That was X. I don't know if Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and the first one fall in that same vein. So I can't really speak to it, to be honest with you. Were you excited when you saw this announcement, though? Yeah, because I've all, after I played Xenoblade Chronicles X, I wanted to get back into these other ones. But there was no way for me to play them. Let me take a left turn in the podcast. Let take me a just, left uh, turn. I'm turning the podcast Let me buckle my seatbelt. to the left. It's getting, it's getting rough. Eddie! You should have started the podcast with your seatbelt buckled. Okay, All right, this sorry. is what I'm talking about, safety. Yeah, okay? sorry, sorry. That's unbelievable. I need to do better. Anyway, here I am, turning the podcast. What was the most exciting announcement for you from the Nintendo Direct? I feel like normally you'd save it to the end, right? Like, hey, what was your most favorite part? But no, we're flipping the script, and we're putting it closer to the beginning. Ah, Jedi Knight 2, man. All right. Jedi Knight 2. I, I, I just, I love Je- the Jedi Knight series. I love those games. I, I feel like I grew up to Star Wars games. Every Star Wars game I feel like I owned. But Jedi Knight 2, for some reason, when that was announced, I went back to like my old room and I could remember myself playing for that. So that was something that I was really, really excited about. And I, I, I was going to say Animal Crossing, but that's not fair. Um, so because I, can, I cannot tell if you actually like Animal Crossing or you dislike Animal Crossing. No, I love Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is my second life. If I could it's, move in Animal Crossing, I would. It just seems to me that every time you talk about it, you're just kind of bad mouthing some of the characters. I'm never. Oh yeah, because Tom Nook is a is a capitalist. We don't like him. Um, so <laughs> I don't want to get into it. You see how I paused right there? Yeah. But Tom yeah. Nook is not a good person. But I, no, I love Animal Crossing. I, I think Animal Crossing is the perfect game to play when you're trying to like just turn off for a little bit. Um, I, you, as you know, I love The Sims. I love playing dolt with dolls. So Animal Crossing gives me that opportunity to kind of design my own little world while playing with these cute little animals. I've always loved Animal Crossing. I still play New Leaf. I have another confession. I've you never ne- played Animal Crossing. I don't think you would like it. I don't, I don't, think, so, I don't think you would like it, no. I'm not a big fan of animals in general. Just... <laughs> I'm not either, but I love Animal Crossing. I know you're not. I was joking. <laughs> I, know, I hate animals, and I love Animal Crossing. So imagine that. Uh, for me, I feel like this Nintendo Direct, not that you asked, even though I asked you. I don't care. <laughs> I got that. Like you'd play any of these games anyway, but let's hey. go. All right. Well, all right. What were you excited about, Pat? I was excited about Link's Awakening, but... No, of course. Other of course, than that, yeah, that you're right. year old game, of course. I wasn't going to... It's not that old. Um, I'm not really excited about any of these games personally to be honest with you but I was excited by the excitement of others Eddie because people were really excited people lost their freaking minds yeah like Deadly Premonition 2 I didn't even know people liked Deadly Premonition but people were freaking out about that half of these games I've never even heard of like uh, that's that's what not knowing but what a Divinity Original Sin 2 like I don't know what that is Doom 64 I did know and I was excited about that because I played that game but I've never played Trials of Mana either and people are crazy about that series apparently. oh the Mana series is great you you, just don't, you don't play games you you, don't, you only play your Final, Final Fantasies and we'll get into this in a minute your Super Marios and like old games that are from the 90s when we were like 5 years old but here's the thing I think these games are who is the the massive Tokyo Mirage Sessions like fan base? Like well, I've never heard of that series before. I it's a very appeal. And I, I think that's why Switch is so powerful, right? Because it's playing to these mm. niche audiences. Like who cares about Banjo Kazooie 
being brought to the. I know it's but a big Microsoft. So many people, right? Microsoft is um, uniting with Nintendo's. Not a, it's unheard of. This is such a big. But who cares about Banjo Kazooie? Some people do. Who cares about Mirage Sessions? Who cares about Doom 64? Who cares about Jedi Knight 2? And I think that's what makes Nintendo Switch so amazing is because it's playing to these niche audiences. I think, yeah, going off of that, I think the answer to that question is, like, you cared about one of them, and to you, you cared, like, a lot. And that game, these games are super weird, like... Not huge franchises, but the people who love them love the love them. out of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Oberdeen. They're bringing Oberdeen to the Nintendo Switch. No one talked about Oberdeen. I talked about it. it. Was in my top ten last year. I know what it is. It's Oberdeen. Fantastic Din. game. Oberdeen. You said Oberdeen like Whatever. a cooking show. I told you I don't read last week. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce word, half the words that I see. <laughs> read, children. Read. But okay, Return to the Oberdeen. I'm sticking by mine because I sound way better. So, Return of the Oberdeen is coming to the Nintendo Switch, and that is a game that not a lot of people played, and it seems like critics are really excited because other people are getting finally get to play this game. So it's just they're playing into these niche audiences. They're they're pushing these and then pushing these niche audiences, and I think they know people are going to tweet about this. I think they yep. know that these Nintendo stands are going to write blogs about this, and it's going to cause people like maybe you. I'm not going to say you, but people like you who haven't played these games before. They'd be like, "Hey, maybe I'll give this a try." Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do that, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I think it's smart to kind of play both sides of the fence, and I think that's what Nintendo is doing. Nintendo has like this super niche service that it's offering to these people, like oh. These games are not like huge games of the people who who love them are really excited about them. At the same time, they take crazy risks and do super weird things. I saw there was a picture today that somebody tweeted of just the characters that were in Smash Brothers from like other I saw that. Yeah. And they're all playing together. It's just like it is pretty crazy. Smash is an insane game. Nintendo just does things that nobody else does, and that's like its main thing. So they have their core IP that has existed for 40 freaking years at this point that everybody loves and everybody wants and is still fantastic with like Mario and Zelda and blah 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 whatever um, but then they also have all these super weird niche ones and then they also get now they're starting to port big games and I realize that they're not like as good on the Switch but people are still going to play them because they love their Switch yeah exactly and also I want to note like look at also what they're doing with like Game Freaks uh, Game Freak is a big partner with Nintendo, Pokemon, they produce most of the Pokemons. Like, Little Town Hero hired Toby Fox, the Undertale creator, to compose their soundtrack. I know that doesn't mean a lot to people, but when I went on my Twitter feed, people were going insane about Toby Fox, because if you've played Undertale, the music in Undertale is phenomenal. So, it's just, they're even branching out to, like, popular games in the last, like, four to five years, and bringing on, like writers or bringing on composers this is things that nintendo wouldn't have done 10 to 15 years ago so it seems like they're they're slowly learning there's there's still a lot of issues with them sure. but they're slowly learning to embrace this new age really yeah they're more plugged in especially after something like the wii u which you know nobody wanted <laughs> no <laughs> i wanted don't... it i bought it and I, I i hated it yeah but you're a weird person i'm a dweeb you you were going there i was, I was trying dweeb. to be nicer yeah but, yeah, no, Dweeb fits. Uh, <laughs> I think what was interesting about Nintendo... Okay, let's be honest. We're about, what, two and a half years into the Nintendo Switch life cycle. I think it launched in March 2017. That is so not, insane. I know, it's crazy, right? I don't know how you can possibly make the argument. I know PS4 has sold more and has a whole bunch of great games. But really, I think Switch wins this cycle of consoles. But let's talk about this real quick. So... You have Breath of the Wild. Yep. You have Mario help me Odyssey. out here. Mario Odyssey. Yeah. You have <laughs> Luigi's Mansion, which I I've seen a lot. Of Luigi's Mansion. I think people are going to be talking about this game. I played the demo, and I generally when it ended, I was like, I need to play it again. I feel like Luigi's Mansion is going to be one of those games where people are like, man, this came out of nowhere. We didn't know about Luigi the last one, but this game is really surprising us. It's oh my god, it feels so good. It it looks real good. You have two the Pokemon Sword and Shield, which I think is going to do well. You have a lot of people I complaining. Mean, it's Pokemon, whatever. Exactly. Uh, so you ha- also Link's Awakening. So compared to let's do this Horizon Zero Dawn. All right. God of War. Solid. 
Obviously. I'm going exclusive, so I'm not going to say Red Dead Redemption 2. No, we should be doing exclusives, though. That's the point. Help me out here with PlayStation 4 exclusives this cycle. Uh, Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Oh, my God, yeah. Spider-Man. We have... Why am I drawing a blank right now? Because I don't care. Ratchet and Clank, which was received very well. Wait, on the PS4? PS... Yeah, the new one was on PS4. That new new reboot. Uh, You have Uncharted 4. Persona 5. Yeah, alright. Bloodborne, had, uh, good call. There was Uncharted 4 was on the PS4, I think, right? Yeah, it was. I, yeah. It was. You have Knack 2. <laughs> you have Days I Gone. I about no, that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, you, know, you laugh at Days Gone, but it actually sold pretty well. It sold real well because you have yeah. a whole bunch of an- Sons of Anarchy people that are dying That's for true. It. I also think the pedigree of like what PlayStation set forth, people are like, oh yeah. And what came out for the PlayStation this year, Pat? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Was that, oh no? I'm not even like trying to be mean about it. There was Days Gone, and I literally don't think there was another exclusive that's even worth talking about. No, no, was there one? Am not, I wrong? Not one. Yeah. And now, I mean, <laughs> Xbox has Gears Five this week. Uh, Gears Five is being received very well. We're not a Gears, you know, we're not a big Gears crew over here, but a lot of people are happy with that Gears Five. It's got probably the I best reviews it. that Gears have had in a long time. Do, do you? What did you think about it? Uh, did you ever play the original Gears? Yeah, I didn't like them. Okay, you never liked them. Yeah, no, never liked them. I, I liked them in the sense that, like, oh, I've already played Halo. And, I, uh, sorry, that sounds meaner than I think I'm even trying to make it. I, I liked them. I played through the campaign of the first and the second one. And I thought it was cool, and I was, what, 15, 16 years old when they came out. So, like, obviously I thought they were cool because you could chainsaw monsters. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I was drinking a whole bunch of Monster Energy back then. Mm-hmm. No one's ever made that joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never. Ever. Including myself. I've never heard that joke before. <laughs> so they were fine. But, I mean, like, looking back on it, I was like, these are kind of stupid. And this game is – it's stupid. And I don't even think – I'm not even saying that as an insult. I think if anyone's going to play this game and not say it's stupid, then you need to reevaluate the thing. It's supposed to be stupid. It's a big, dumb action movie. It is literally like the Fast and Furious of video games. It knows exactly what it is. It knows what it's trying to be, and that's what it is. And this new one kind of leans into it. I I liked that they took a swing and they did the open world stuff in this new Gears. I, um, I like the multiple playable protagonists. Um, it's fine. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, a sto- it's, it's the same story. It's like spooky monsters are threatening humanity, and you're like these super uber soldiers who have to go and fight them. Yeah, yeah steroids. Pretty much, yeah. It's a celebration of steroids is the, uh, the subtext. But Batista's in it. Never mind. I changed it from a three to a five. But, but Batista's in it. Okay, so, all right. I agree with you. For the first time on this podcast... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, for the third time on this podcast, Probably I agree with you. Running, I think Nintendo Switch has kind of dominated this cycle. I, it's weird because they came in mid-cycle, right? So even so, I'm going. I'm looking back through the PS4 exclusives that they have, and they obviously they have a few. But the PS4 has been out for what four more years than yeah. the um, uh, Nintendo Switch has, and it's at the end of its life right now. Nintendo Switch came out of the gate hot. I mean, real hot. It literally launched with Super Mario Odyssey, right? Yeah. And let's let's be honest. Or it here. launched with Breath of the Wild. Breath of Sorry, the Wild. And Odyssey came out later. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Besides God of War, and we talk about God of War a lot, has there been any games released on this PlayStation 4 cycle that has set the world on fire like Breath of the Wild? Spider-Man was really popular. Um, Was it? I mean, it sold sold extremely well, but it's Spider-Man, dude. You're going to sell a Spider-Man game on any console that you make. It didn't do quite like what God of War did, where like people lost their minds about it. You know, Spider Man was a great. It was a fantastic game. game. Don't get me wrong, I loved it. Love, 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 love. Really think it's great, but I mean, yet same day. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a Spider Man game, right? Like, I'm hard to say because it's a fantastic game. I'm talking Breath of the Wild took an old formula from Zelda games, what we were used to playing, which that's why I compared it to God of War because I believe God of War did the same thing, completely flipped it on us. And offered us a completely new experience while opening us up to a whole different, whole different mechanics that we've never seen in any other games before. I remember sitting playing Breath of the Wild for the first time and turning to my wife, who then was just my girlfriend, maybe my fiance at the point. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I turned to her and I think I said to her, "I was like, I think this might be the best game I've ever played in my entire life." 
like about an hour into it. I was like, this is the this is insanity what this game is. And it's a Zelda game. Yeah. And I don't like Zelda. That game is I mean, if you're gonna use the word masterpiece and actually mean it, I mean like that game is a masterpiece. I, I, that and Yoku's Island Express are the only two games I would ever I could give you that on Breath of the Wild. I could give you that. Because it was one of those games where it didn't tell you anything. It just dumped you into the world and it was just like pieces. Peace. <laughs> Which Good is luck. what the first Zelda did, which is what's so awesome about Breath of the Wild. And they just jumped right back into it. Yeah, it was so, great. It took something that everyone thought they knew for so many years and just be like, nope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then Super Mario Odyssey, you know, God, did game. what it was supposed to do. A lot of people love that game. That game is phenomenal. But I, I know you don't play this game. Mm-hmm. I know you don't care for this series. But what Fire Emblem did, <laughs> the amount of units that it sold, the amount of units that it sold in West to Western audiences, that is something to behold. And if you play that game from start to finish, it is one of the strongest stories of a video game that I played in the last couple of years. And I'm talking about pacing. I'm talking about character development. I'm talking about the actual story that's going on, the war that's going on, the, amount, the way that they explain the different realms and how they influence each other. It was a phenomenal Experience, and you had people that would never even think about playing Fire Emblem, playing it for the first time, and enjoying it. So let me ask you something because I literally had a conversation about Fire Emblem today with somebody. Uh, they, I asked them like, "So what is it?" And they're like, "Oh, it's an anime." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, cool." But like, mm. what's the game? Like, what what kind of game is it? Like, they're like, "It's an anime." Like, you're playing it's an not, anime. That's not a good no. Uh, is it that is, wrong? It's what the hell is it? It is a time management strategy board game in a sense so the way it breaks down is you play these like XCOM style maps not even XCOM Mm -hmm. yeah I'm gonna say it's like XCOM like Final Fantasy Tactics Wargroove type maps where you have your units you pick your 12 to 13 units and then you move them like you're on a chessboard right and then you can attack. So you're moving your players around on a chessboard. You're maneuvering them so that you can get good positioning on attacking these enemy players. And your goal is either attacking like the main player on the map or clearing off everyone on the map. So once you do these, then you go back to the school on your pastime, and that's where the plot development happens. So the game is set up like Persona, where you have each month is a big event. And then you have four weeks between before that big event to actually decide what you're going to do with your characters. So are you going to train your characters to get them better in their certain their certain abilities? Or are you going to train your character to make them stronger in their sword? Are they going to be able to ride their horse better? Also, do, are you you also need to make sure that you're managing their relationships. So if you want this character and this character to build their relationship to be a stronger basically bond then you need to do things like take them out to eat together so it's a very it's very it's don't laugh don't you laugh it's very it's set up like persona and it's a very time management so you need to manage your time very well because there's a whole bunch of systems that you have to manage in order to make you stronger on that battlefield so for example if you have two characters that are bonded really well they're going to do more damage to the enemy player if they're standing next to each other on that battlefield so it's it's a lot of strategy and if you like and it I, I get what they're saying by playing an anime because a lot of these cutscenes are very anime-like. Mm-hmm. But I just think that anyone who is interested in a JRPG, anyone who's loved a JRPG in the past, they should really, 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 really try this game out. Yeah. Well, now that we've lost our entire audience... They're gone. Because... <laughs> what the hell? That sounds like so much work. It's not that much work. And once you play like your first couple of months, you get the hang of it. And if you've played a Persona game, you know how, you know how this is. And if I haven't played a Persona game? Then good luck. Yeah, well. Good right. luck. Me and the majority of everyone else. Play on a Persona game. Outside of Japan. Get into these JRPGs. They're great games. I like JRPGs, all right? As long as they... Dude, you play Final, Final Fantasy. Fantasy. <laughs> like, shut up. You play Final <laughs> Fantasy, and then you're like, well, Fire Emblem sounds too difficult to get into. Shut up. Fire Emblem is a very manageable tactical strategy game that you can play. The characters ha- have names that you can remember, and they're not named like rain, whatever these stupid, fun- like Cloud and dumb names like that. Yeah, Cloud is so hard. And to remember. the story makes sense. Okay, I've I never played a Final Fantasy you. game where I've been like, "Oh, this story makes sense. It's coherent." Well, maybe you're dumb. Like Chocobos. Sorry to say it. Don't you bring Chocobos <laughs> into this? Stupid. They're just Don't you sully the good name of Chocobos? And Three Houses is extremely replayable. 
How? how? Okay, that's confusing to me. Because each... it sounds like something that's going to take like 80 hours and then you replay it? E- yeah. Each house... It's about 60 hours, 50 hours. You can you oh, can streamline okay. it. You can streamline it. Each house t- is a different pers- perspective on what is going on with the actual war. And I don't want to get into it because I would spoil it. And I really want people to play three houses. But check it out. Just check it out. All right. Fine. You've sold it. Not to me, but I'm sure to some sad person listening to us. They're not sad. They're very happy because now they're playing Fire Emblem, and they're like, "Man, Patrick needs to open up his mind." You got to stop being the optimistic one. I don't like this. Okay, we we've dedicated at least half of the podcast at this point already. Oh my god, it's just Nintendo. yeah. And I will gladly talk about Nintendo the entire the time. Whole hour. There are other games coming out. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna flip flop it from what I have written down in my notes. That's right. We're going ad lib. Oh uh, no. Um, <laughs> Eddie, you played Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. new expansion mm-hmm. pack, and you reviewed it for The Hollywood Reporter. I did. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank uh, you. Let's talk a little bit about Monster Hunter World, which was a game that you were obsessed with obsessed, last year. yep. Uh, How do you feel about the um, the DLC? Expand upon your review, Mike. I'm friend. still obsessed with it. I did not think I'd still be obsessed with it. I almost bounced off of it. I texted you last week, and I'm like, Pat, this game sucks. I hate it. I don't know how you review games. I was fighting the Berioth, and the Berioth was one of the most frustrating monsters I fought in this game. But I got through it and started learning more about this map, started learning about how I would, could maneuver and set up my counterattacks, and I'm absolutely loving it. So if you haven't read my review, go read my review. But I would not buy this game if you're looking for a f- <clears throat> some. If you would, if you're actually looking to get in the Monster Hunter for the first time. Play the base game. Do not buy the Iceborne. You're going to have to go through hundreds of hours to get to the base game in order for you to even get the Iceborne. But if you are looking for more in-game content, you're looking for more of a challenge, pick up Iceborne right away. The monsters are fantastic. They're so diverse. They're so different from the Berioth to the Tigrix. To, there's a snow, the Beotodus, the snow shark. It, Wait, did you say a Beotodus? A Beotodus. It oh, is a Beotodus. shark that swims in the snow. It is one of the coolest monsters I've seen. And you have the Berioth, which is like a cyber-toothed flying monster. You have the Tigrex, which is like a tiger and a dragon put in one. So Monster Hunter knocked it out the park with this expansion. What I liked from your review and what I liked about my demo, actually, when I played the game, and I haven't played the full game because I have a backlog that's insane. Oh, my God. And because apparently I don't play any games. No, you don't. What I liked about it was how big the monster hunts were. I know that was the same with Monster Hunter World too, but like these things take forever to take down. And And you gotta like work as a team. Did you play it online? I didn't. I wanted to get into it with other people, but by the time I was doing the review, people were way far ahead of me. It's hard to do it when you're doing a review too, because only like twenty other people on the planet are playing it. I don't know how people review games and still enjoy them. It's a pain in the ass. You don't actually. It's just it destroys games for you. If I worked in the game industry, I would hate it. I would hate well, video games. Yeah, I was. I, um, I almost hated doing this review because I'm just like, do I hate Monster Hunter? Because I was trying to get so, I was trying to get through these monsters so fast in order. Because uh-huh. I'm like, you cannot write a review of Monster Hunter if you've only fought the base monsters. Exactly, you so have it's to counterintuitive to the way you normally play the game. Absolutely. So usually I would, you know, fight a couple monsters, take a week off, wait to my weekend, then come back. But I was going at that barrier off every day, and I could not beat it until I remembered, oh. I should probably be leveling up my armor. And then as soon as I remembered the gameplay loop of this game, which I'd forgotten because I was trying to streamline it so fast, then it got easier for me. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I just I don't know how people like story-based games. I don't know how you enjoy it. You don't, really. Um, it's like a new thing. And I, I don't review games anymore, but when I used to review games, it was awful, actually. like it, First off, it takes a lot of time, and people don't understand this. A lot of the times when you get... This is like this meta commentary on what it's like to review games now. But here we go. This is what's happening. When you review a game, A, you either get it at most maybe two weeks before it launches and most of the time about a week before it launches. And you have to play through an 80-hour story. And uh, for a lot of us, I have a full-time job, you know, which is was not reviewing games at that point and then coming home and trying to do that. It's very, very difficult and beyond that, this is the part that got me, and uh, I was talking to the guy who reviewed Control for us a little while ago. <laughs> there aren't any guides, because no. you're the first people to play right. it. So if you can't figure it out, you either have to try and figure it out, or send the email of shame to the publicist and to the developers, being like, I'm stuck at this part, tell me how to do well, it. Well, I think that's a great example, because when I was fighting the Tigrex, I kept tooking 
taking damage and I'm like what is going on he's not hitting me or anything he or she sorry and but I didn't realize that the Tigrex when it shrieks or when it yells it causes you damage because it's damaging your ears so I'm classic, like taking classic the classic monster and no monster hunter were, no monster hunter monster does this so I'm taking this damage and I'm like this game is bugged this game is bugged I can't get to this damn review because this game is bugged and then I realized I looked on randomly looked on Twitter and someone had broke the <laughs> had broke the uh, agreement by t- t- talking about the Tiger X and saying yeah this thing is damaging me you need to get the earplugs so after that I was just like alright this game's not bugged I get it I get it then I had to find a new strategy on how to beat it yeah, well, such is the struggles of being a gaming journalist. Uh, yeah, I, I props to you. And mind you, uh, I'm not a freelancer. I'm not the type of... Per- I, I have a real... Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's rude. I have a job. Um, <laughs> You're going to say real job? A real job. job. <laughs> <laughs> I have a job. I work with children, youth, the youths, from eight. So I was going from eight to four, come straight home, playing this game. And it was it was just... It was frustrating. It was massively frustrating. Did you yell at any children? Yeah. I went in the next day and just kicked their desk over, and I was like, you bastards. Damn, Tigrex. <laughs> you bastards. And they're like, what's the matter? I'm like, the Barry off. And they're like, oh, you played nerd games. I'm like, shut oh, up. Oh, you're insane. Shut okay. up. Shut <laughs> up. Because all they do is play Fortnite, they want to talk about Fortnite and Rainbow Six. That's it. So, Rainbow Six? Dude, these kids love Rainbow Six. Well, hold on. All right, let's pause the podcast again. What the hell? Yeah, they love Rainbow Six Siege. That game is huge. That game's bigger than we think. What the hell is happening? A lot of people are consistently playing that game. Like, a lot. I get that, but I thought it'd be, like, old boomers. No, a lot of of my young people. Well, it's violent. Oh, yeah, well, I do like violent. Yeah, it's violent, and I think it's one of those games where a lot of my young people... All right, we're getting into this. A lot of my young people are into esports. Like, a lot of them are into esports, and for the first time in my life, I'm actually running into a lot of young people that want to actually... Go into talk this other profession. Yeah, they always want to talk to me. I'm amazing. I'm, my job. Don't even get me started on that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm fantastic at this job. But a lot. So like one of my students today actually told me that he was sponsored. Right. So I'm like really interested in this, and I'm asking him questions, and he's got like a clan of twenty people, and right, they so all I get money out of him in the future. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like I need okay, a, I need a couch to stay sure on just in case. Yeah. I, good good interview for him. I got, we have an interview lined up for them. Um, but he's telling me he's got like 20 people in this clan and they some of them have Patreons and like the 20 and the 23-year-olds are like the leaders of the clan because there's a lot of like 15 and 16-year-olds. Right. So it's just – it was weird to me for him to talk to me about this and I'm just like, man, we, we just do not play games in the same way anymore. I couldn't even fathom having this as a uh, professional. A profession? Yeah, yeah profession. Exactly. It's insane. Or thinking of it as something that wasn't just – I'm not saying it was a waste of time because I enjoy playing games, but something that was just like entertainment. Yeah. The same as like me going to see a movie or reading a book. It was a hobby that you were – Because af- I read books, Edmund. Ew, gross. It, why would you do that? You're a felon. It was a hobby that you were afraid to tell other people you did, right? It was one of those things where you go to school. You and I didn't talk about our what games we played openly. That was stuff. Well, no, we, that's because I was popular. And I didn't want to be associated. I was with popular it. too. Shut up. Homecoming and prom king nominee never won, but nominated for both of them. Thank you. Dropping boop, boop. mics, dropping mics. But <laughs> but still, like it was one of those things that it was just like liking comic books and liking these comic book movies. If you did that, if you were open about that when we were growing up, you got mercilessly bullied. Yeah, it was a difference between, like, look, everyone played games, but it was, like, a different type of thing, right? You weren't saying, like, oh, I was, like, competing online in Halo all night. Like, then you'd be a nerd. Ninja <laughs> is cool. Yeah. If Ninja was around, it, uh, I, I'm sorry if Ninja I get you in trouble. Around. If Ninja, oh, he was. But if Ninja... He was, he's around our age. He would have been in classes with us, and he probably, I mean... If he would have came to class talking about playing video games, we would have bullied him so bad while going home and playing the same games that he was talking about at school. Yeah, because that's the way it's done. Yes. Bully people. <laughs> Bring back bullying. But <laughs> am I one thing that we can say. Am I wrong though? Like think of these guys that are making money now and you look <laughs> no, I sound like I'm mean. But I'm looking I look oh, at their right. avatars, I look at their pictures, and I'm like, these guys are the type of people that we would have just buried in high school. Like, we would have made so much fun of them for playing video games like that in high school. But now it's like, these guys are cool. Ninja's like the coolest guy in the world. My my students talk about, oh, ninja this, ninja that. And these are kids that would have bullied ninja 10 years ago. Yeah, well, that's the, the way the world works a lot of the times. So and now he's a freaking gajillionaire. A gajillionaire, yeah. He's signing big deals with Mixer, big deals. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I think I'm negative about this because I absolutely hate streamers. <laughs> so yeah. that is where I'm coming from. 
But it's just, it's a wild world. And if you're doing it, good for you. Because you could have not done this 10 to 15 years ago. I think we all, uh, this is weird, because I talk to streamers, you know, and I, I know a couple of them now. Um, I think it's trendy for our generation to hate on streamers, you know. And I think a lot of it is rooted in, if it's not jealousy of what they do, it's more jealousy of just, like, you are your own boss and you don't really, like, do anything. I know there's, like, a lot of work that goes into it. It's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. I I know it is. I understand that. And, like, the hours are insane Mm -hmm. that they do. But you're doing what you wanted to do. You made your own career out of nothingness. I think that's what we're all a little bit jealous of. Because even... I assume you like your job. I have a really cool job, but it's like my job, I still answer to somebody else. And I know that they do too in a sense, but it's not their own thing. It's, it's sort of like owning your own business or being like, in a lot of ways, it's like being a movie star. I, you know, I got to push. New version of a movie It star. is. It is. And I agree, kind of agree with everything you have to say, but I have to push back. I don't think, I'm not a jealous person. I'm more along the lines of they're killing my industry that I grew up with. And what I mean by that is I grew up with print. I grew up with like GameStop, Game Informer. I grew up with Nintendo. What was Nintendo Power? I grew up with you know going to the magazine, going to the. I did read. Okay, I'm snitching on myself. Going to the store with my mom this once a month. Jail, so. and, yeah, and when I was my <laughs> quick juvenile career as a five, <laughs> six year old, uh, I used to go with my mom and pick up these Nintendo Powers and these Game Informers, and that's what I. I you know you would read previews you would read reviews and you'd have to visualize what the game looked like before you actually went to go buy it now you can just look at it you know what i'm saying also i I think that well maybe i'm wrong because games are still selling really well but i think most of the revenue from games are actually coming from actually i don't think this i know this it's coming from people spending money in the game already Uh, people aren't if you can just watch somebody play the game it's almost becoming like a movie yeah where it's just like why would i buy this i already watched somebody play i never bought that what was that game that was really popular a couple years ago where every, you could kill everyone? It was like a horror game. They just Hello released Kitties. a new one. It was Hello Kitty's Paradise. What was it called? Uh, Dawn something. Supermassive Games came out with a game a couple years ago that was super mm-hmm. popular. And I never played it because I watched so many people play it. And it became one of my favorite games that I never... Until Dawn, sorry. Until Dawn became one of my favorite games that I never played because I watched so many other people playing it. And then when I really thought about it, I hated myself for that. Yeah, because you missed out. I missed like, out, and I didn't go, and I didn't support this publisher that was making a great game because I was watching it. And I don't, I know, game like you said, games are still selling, but it yeah, just. But you're a greedy piece of garbage, is what you're saying. I'm, I'm a greedy piece of garbage, and I'm very you old. You took all that content, and you gave them nothing back. Nothing back. <laughs> and I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed it so much. But am I, do I sound like an old man yelling at a cloud right now? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, all right. That's, that's what I wanted to sound like. That was exactly my intention. Well, you nailed it because that's what's going good, on. Good. Uh, but that is. That's what's happening. The gaming has changed, man. I can't read a preview or a review anymore because everything is in a 30-second video because kids can't read these reviews anymore. They want to yeah, watch people play them. I just want to read a preview. Is that- the weirdest thing to me is, is that that's simultaneously true. Right, like that. Uh, these previews will be done like streamers or like little tiny like short snippet clips, and then when you go and try and find something in print about what somebody wrote about it, that's not even what they talk about. They don't even talk about no. the game anymore. They either drum up a controversy that doesn't exist around the game, yes. or pick something to make a controversy out of the game. Or even when they get time with the devs, they don't ask them about the game. No, they just talk about social issues and they don't talk about what like the game unionization is. Unionization and all that stuff, and that's important. Yes, I get it. Like, sure, have one outlet focus on that. Like we have, or maybe this is a crazy idea. How about you ask both questions? No, you can't do that. You can yeah, no, you can do that. Of course, you have enough time for that. Yeah, why would you bother spending your fifteen minutes or thirty minutes with a developer to actually talk about what their job is? Well, I was under the impression that you can't do that anymore because everything that I'm reading these days, I'm not getting insight on any games anymore. It's I don't even think anyone cares about the way of this is what drives me the craziest. And this was something that drove me crazy even back then. Nobody talks about how they actually make games, no. which is the weirdest part to me, because that is the most fascinating part to me. It's how these games are made. Technically, there's so many incredible things that happen. I can't talk about what I did today because by the time this posts, it won't be up. But I went somewhere today that was really cool, and I talked to a lot of the people at the place about what they actually do to make the games. And it'll be something that's coming up pretty soon so people will know about it. 
But it's cool. It was really, really awesome to talk to these technical people about what they do technically. And frankly, I think it's a little rude to go into these places and not talk to these people about what the pre... First off, the pretense of your interview was that you were going to talk about their project that's coming up Mm -hmm. and about what they actually do on their project. And I'm not trying to belittle the work that other people are doing or say that these issues aren't important to talk about, but maybe talk to the studio head about this or talk to the executive for like 2K who's like publishing these things. Don't talk to, oh, we talked to the producer of Cyberpunk about their trans representation. It's a, he's a producer. He's one random guy who works there. A lot of these people are not high level employees. And I really want to make note, like, I think it's important that we talk about these important issues, unionization and minority representation, trans representation, LGBTQ representation in video games. But I think we're going too far left, right? We're going too far left where that's, the, like you said, the main focus of all these interviews. And it's the only it, focus. Exactly. Problem. If you want to have it be a focus, that's great. That's but great. It's the only focus. And, it, and, and if... I think, and I, I'm not, I, I don't run any of these publications, so I, I can't speak on that, but I think send more than one person out there. Ha, send sure. one person to write about the, the issue that you want to write about, the issue about representation or whatever you know, you, whatever you want to push out there. And then have someone go there that just talk, that talks about the game, talks about the development of the game, talks about how much work these people put into developing that game. Right. I like These people are putting in hours and hours and hours of their time making this these masterpieces and making these things that we put in our hours of our times enjoying but we're not even you know getting to the heart of why they do it or getting to the right. uh, to the heart of what it why you're passionate about this is we're just beating them up and i think it's unf- i think it's really unfair yeah, i agree with you and then let me i'll say one more thing and then i'll get off of my my soapbox we're both on one right now other publications uh, almost every single publication that writes about video games, barring Game Informer, doesn't have a print copy of what they do. So you can talk to people and post it whenever you want because you don't have a deadline for anything that you post. Any deadline that you have is self-imposed. You're not going to a printer. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff. So yes, you absolutely can ask multiple questions or have multiple interviews with multiple devs on a certain project to get different perspectives about what's happening there. And if you want to tell the social story, tell the social story. I'm not saying that anyone shouldn't be doing that. I think those things are important. I'm just saying that if you're going to call yourself a publication and a trade publication that writes about something like video games, you're not actually a trade because you're not writing about anything that they do. You're not writing about the trade of making video games, and that's what drives me crazy. And it's the norm now, which is what drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. The industry itself is not covered business-wise. It's not covered about what these people are actually doing every single day. There's a real dearth of that. It's mostly covered about social issues or, and this is my biggest issue with all of this stuff, they're just writing things that people tweeted. A a tweet is not a story. Or a Reddit post. Oh my God! Every every time I see somebody, one redditor said, "That's not you're not a journalist." Right. As soon as you write that, you're not a journalist. Yeah, and you know I can't speak to the you know your area because you're actually in it. But as sure. a consumer who reads these stories and grew up reading these stories, it's very very disheartening to see that something that I really loved is completely changing, and it's really disheartening that I can't find the I can't find any I wherever I look I can't see what the developers took to make this fire emblem you know what i mean i can't find the painstaking effort that these nintendo executives did in order to get these characters from microsoft get these characters from famicon onto super smash bros i'm interested in stuff like that but instead i have to read things like there's not enough black people in smash bros like and i'm you know i again these social issues are important but i'm seeing a hundred articles about one social issue and no articles on the other end about the you know business side how, how I, you don't need, I don't even see anything about sales anymore you, yeah I, I, I'm just asking for a little bit more like trade reports yes you know yes and there, there are some places that do a game is gamesindustry.biz is pretty good and they're like they're the closest to like an actual trade I guess in the video game business but look it's an art form and I would like somebody to write about it like it's an art form on the level of film and television and it is and if we want it to be elevated to where it should be and where frankly it already is and to be perfectly frank where it's already surpassed lots of these other mediums then we need to start writing about it better yeah and let me ask you this pat will it get the clicks if we start focusing on the business and we start focusing on you know the things that you and i are talking about that we think are being left behind 
Will they get the clicks? And why should a publication focus on those type of stories if people aren't going to click on that? That's a great question, and I guess it depends on what the publication is. Mm. Look, I mean, for people like me and people like if, you know, the Wall Street Journal continues to write more about video games or places like New York Times, which apparently like showing more interest in video games, they don't care about clicks. They're, we're, we work on a different model. That's not how we work, you know? Like, d- big publications don't have to worry about clicks because we're not just a... Video just, games. Yeah, we're not just an online publication. Yeah. You know, it's a much different thing. But you see things like Game Informer, and they just had those layoffs. And a lot of that had to do with GameStop, not so right. much with uh, Game Informer. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Were they dependent on clicks? Like, is that why those people had to be let go? Mm-hmm. Did GameStop, the CEOs, look at this and be like, hey, we're not getting enough clicks from this website? And then do you start reevaluating and be like, well, I guess we just have to write and write like what Kotaku Polygon writes all the time. And I just hope that's not the case. Not even to like say anything bad about Polygon or Kotaku. I just wish that more publications were writing about the actual art form of making video games. And the business form. And the, and the business side, too. And the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that is insane to me. Uh, and a little bit more places have started to do it. But people don't even report the numbers anymore of like what the sales numbers no. are for these places. They, these are public information. This does not take me a long time to build up these content. The only publication that I see produces numbers is Eurogamer. I don't see any other publication. And it's only European numbers. Like I don't even know I don't even know where to find United States well, numbers. Well, THR does. Oh. <laughs> I do. Oh. Yeah. Segway. Oh yeah. So, yeah, a little, yeah. A little plug for my own. No, that's not even what I'm trying to say. I'm no, you're not. We're not. Come and to me and do this stuff. I, I'm not even trying to say that anyone's doing bad work. No. I'm just saying that I wish that there was more writing about the yes. trade of video. Games. Yes, and I'm not saying I'm not up here saying Kotaku and Polygon, blah 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 blah, and Game Informer, blah 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 blah. You need to do this. You need to do that. Because I do think they produce a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to see more balance. Every, everything in life is about a balance, and I think if we go too far to the left or too far to the right, it's dangerous. I think we need to, you know. We need to do more of a balance everything out. Yeah, I agree. And even if we're not even like, let even strip like any type of political. I'm not even saying I'm political just, leanings. I'm just saying, you know, I, I'm using that as no, you know it. a scale. Yes, no, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah, like either you can't even say left and right without way. people thinking you're being political. Jesus, <laughs> how dare you, <laughs> sack of crap! Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just saying that I want to uh, this this place of so much artistry and so much love and passion is poured into these projects. And then to not have anyone want to talk to you about that part of your job yeah. is bizarre yeah. to me. Yeah. So we could talk about this all day. Yeah. What a weird area that we just got to. Yeah. We, that was not what we had on the agenda. but No. Yeah. But And here we are. Yeah. Uh, I will say that um, there's a lot of awesome games that are coming up in the near future, um, which I'm excited about. We touched on a few of them. With the little bit of time we have left, let's just briefly talk about Cyberpunk because I feel this is a game that was everyone's most anticipated game, and now people are starting to turn on it. And I'm wondering how you feel about it, Eddie. I saw, I watched that gameplay video. I wasn't too, you know, blown away by it. Um, I love Cyber. Uh, I'm sorry, I love CG, CD Projekt Red. My lisp hates that company. Um, I love CD Projekt Red, but there's something about this game, and I think it might have been the first gameplay video that i saw just with the way that certain characters were talking it just kind of gave off a i don't know it just seems like i don't know if they talk to the people from the actual community and i don't know how you do that i don't know how you go into these like areas that you're trying to represent and actually represent the people that are from there I would like, and I don't know, this is why I need more more articles about the business side of video games, right? Because I would like to know how many Haitians that Cyberpunk actually has employed to actually get, you know, get an insight into the culture. Because if you're going to be writing about a game called mm-hmm. the Voodoo Boys and you're going to say that the Voodoo Boys are from Haiti... I want that to be represented correctly, especially. And let me, oh, sorry, to give a little bit of context, because I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I just kind of get into it. Yeah. Uh, your mother is from the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, which is not Haiti, but where's your mom from? St. Vincent and the Grenadines. St. Vincent, yeah. thank you. Okay, that's yeah. So for me, and this is very personal, this is just me, it's my opinion. Not everybody's going to share this opinion. For me to see someone kind of come in and write about my culture, especially since it's a Polish company. I don't know if a lot of Polish people have interacted with Haitians. I could be completely wrong. But it just makes me scared that we're going to get another Deus Ex situation. And if you don't know about the Deus Ex situation, it was one of those situations where they had a character in the game that spoke like a slave. And there's no way around it. Like, she spoke like 
a, a very stereotypical slave way. And I'm not saying that Cyberpunk is doing this, and I need to see more gameplay footage, but for them to go into low-income areas and to represent these type of populations, it's dangerous, and I just hope they can pull it off. And then other than that, the RPG elements and the first-person shooter elements that just haven't been anything to make me really excited about the game yet. Yeah, a couple people have said that. I will say, having seen um, the full demo from which they cut that demo trailer that they showed the other day, the deep dive or whatever it was, uh, I was way more impressed with what I saw at E3 than what I saw in that little cut-down trailer, obviously, because it was like uncut and somebody was actually playing it when I was watching it. I've been lucky enough to watch it twice at the last two E3s, actual gameplay from it, and both times I've been very excited about what I've seen. So, What makes you excited about it? I think it's just I, there's nothing specific I can't even tell you I mean there's specific parts of what I saw there's nothing I can tell you that's like any different than anything else I've ever seen it just looks like a really fun world that I want to play in and the depth and the um, the care that they put into the world the way it looks I guess mm-hmm. is very interesting to me and cyberpunk wasn't anything I really thought I was interested in that type of um, aesthetic and that type of like storytelling it just looks really, really cool. I know that's a really lame answer, but like that's how it looks to me. It just looks cool. And I, you know, and I love like the, you know, cyber. What what is the genre called? The cyberpunk? is that what it's called? Okay, oh, I, I all so, right. Yeah. So the cyber. I like that whole cyberpunk type. You know, futuristic, putting mods on your character, like cyborg type stuff. I really enjoy that stuff. And I might just be, I might just be that type of person who's. Because they are Haitian and because the trailer actually indicated that they were Haiti refugees, I think I might be putting too much into this because my mom, you know, my mom represents that culture. And of course, we're going to be very, we're going to be very protective about the cultures that we represent, right? So, and I might be going way too far to the left to it, but it just may, I I would like to see more before I get excited about this game. And I have, again, like I said, I have a lot of faith in CD Projekt Red because they did create The Witcher. But again, The Witcher was based in a fantasy land and there wasn't a lot of diversity there. There wasn't a lot of mistakes you can make It was also that. based on a Polish author. Exactly, numbers. exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I, I, I know we just spent a whole like hour talking about Oh, people need to stop complaining about this, this, I know. And that. And it's then so I'm funny, the here, timing yeah, between the two is hilarious. And I'm sitting here like, oh, this makes me feel bad. It's fine, whatever. I mean, like, I understand where you're coming from, too. Uh, I'm still excited for this game. Um, I think I think most people are still excited. You're going to play it, right? Are you not going to play this game? Yeah, it's it's CD, it's CD Projekt Red. So I'm right. faithful to developers that I enjoy. I love the first three Witchers, all three of them. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to play. I'm probably going to play this. And again, it's still early. We have all the way until yeah. March 2020. Um, I think we're going to see more more things kind of be shown off, and then we'll probably see these other gangs, and I'll probably kind of settle down a little bit. But from what I've seen, <clears throat> and I'm you know I could wrongly be wrongly be assigning Deus Ex to this this to this game, but what I've seen it just makes me a little nervous. Uh, I will say one thing before we have to wrap up, just about CG Project Red in general. Uh, People were talking about them as like, you know, the next rock star. They talked about themselves as the next rock star, which is very premature, obviously. Um, is it? I don't know. I mean, The Witcher is great and everybody really loves it, but they've they've done that. You know, they've done that series. Um, this is, if you want to be the next rock star, these are the types of things that you have to do. And these are the types mm-hmm. of, at a consistent level, deliver that stuff. There's only one rock star. Yeah. Like, there is. There's only one. I can't think of anyone else who is rock star. And I understand that people are going to like things more than other things, but rock star is top of the mountain. Like, I don't... You can disagree if you want, but they're the top. Yeah, and we also got to remember that uh, rock star... You know, they had, they're very diverse in their video games, especially GTA Five and GTA Four. And I think, for the most part, they did a good job of... Yes, there are still black stereotypes in there where... Yeah, you know, young African Americans like Franklin are growing up in like low income areas, but I think they did such a good job of fleshing out Franklin's character where yeah. it, he wasn't just well, a stereotype. Just a, that, and I think that's where yeah, that's Rockstar, a recent one. Let's go back to CJ and yeah, exactly, and exactly, yeah. yeah. And CJ was such a flesh. You know, he had dreams, he had aspirations. He didn't want, you know, he wanted to be a, 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 you know, he wanted to get out of the ghetto. He wanted to do this. He wanted right. to do that. 
And it was a tweak on like early '90s films like Boys in the Hood. You know, there's there's Friday references mm-hmm. and there's Boys in the Hood references. There's even like Bad Boy New Jack City. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a great. I think you know they're not perfect and they're not amazing. It's not like man, Rockstar's doing stuff in depiction that no one else is doing. But you know, it's a step in the right direction. And I and I yeah. think hopefully CG Project Red kind of acknowledge, not you know acknowledges Rockstar, but kind of acknowledges that they're depicting people from other cultures and they're sensitive to that. Sure. Uh, well, we're running out of time, and what a what a weird podcast. We're all over the yeah. place today. Uh, anyway, we love you guys for listening. We have uh, some guests lined up for the future. Um, we're going to talk to the team from Blast. Oh, I'm excited. I want to I want to play that game. I am too. I'm I very excited that for that game. game. They're in Spain. Cool, cool. Uh, so okay. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, they speak English, and I speak very, very, very poor Spanish. So at least we'll get some type of conversation going between the two of us. Uh, but I'm excited for that uh, so awesome. definitely check out next week's podcast for that because that game looks amazing and uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, on Facebook I don't even, is anyone on Facebook no. uh, we're on YouTube and Twitter and SoundCloud we're all over the place all over the uh, interwebs so check us out Donkey Kong Artist yeah check out the Hollywood Reporter shameless plug for Pat he is the what are you the editor video game gaming, gaming editor. editor of Hollywood Reporter check out the articles they have on there and check out my review a fantastic thank review. you thank yes. you so we'll see you all next and week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love, we love you. Bye. Video game. Talking about video game.